What's up guys, Pastor John here. We pray that this message encourages you in your faith journey and we believe that God has an incredible plan for your life and our hope is that tools like this sermon will help you become who he has created you to be. Now listen, in order to truly flourish and thrive like God intends for your life, it takes community. What I mean by that is we don't believe that simply by attending church online alone that you're going to be able to become every bit of who God has created you to be and who you want to be to grow spiritually. You need other people. And we would love to help you connect with other people right here at Greenhouse. True growth happens when we're rooted in a community that supports, uplifts, and walks alongside us. And so with that in mind, we would love for you to join us in person on Sundays right here at Western High School or in microchurches throughout the week. Um, listen, if you don't live near our church here in South Florida, please reach out to us. We would love to help you find and thrive in a local faith community near you. We're excited to partner with you as we all become passionate followers of Jesus. God bless you. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome to our block party. Just give me a sense of things. How many of you are here for the first, second, or third time? If you wave your hand real quick. I know we did a little bit of that. First, second, or third time. Awesome. Awesome. Bunch of you guys. Welcome back. It's great to have you. First time, you're, you know, you're kind of stuck here. You can't really leave. It would be awkward. But if you come back second or third time, man, it means you like us a little bit. That's kind of cool. Uh, we're thrilled that you're here. Let me kind of establish the landscape of the morning. Our goal would be that in this morning, here at this kind of open house opportunity at this block party, you'd have an opportunity to connect with God, and I'm hoping that's already begun, that you'd have an opportunity to connect with some of the amazing people that are here. Listen, the, this is not a perfect church, right? And where would you find one? Because the second you found one, you would mess it up. You'd have to leave, right? Because we're all a little bit messed up, works in progress, right? But. But these people are incredible. Like these people mean it, they're genuine. If I wasn't the pastor here, I would go here. And, and I love this place, I love this place. And um, so I hope you stick around after and, and grab a hamburger, grab a hot dog, grab a veggie, whatever you do, and grab some snacks, get some Kona ice, and just connect with a community of people that really do care. And how many of you know it's challenging to find that in this day and age? And this is a place like that. And then lastly, you'd get a, a little bit of a sense of, of who we are and, and who it is that we're longing to be, to become as well. Our church, as you heard a little bit in this video, we started in a home. We started as a single Bible study or what we call a micro church, sort of a really robust Bible study, but, but, but then some kind of group. And, and what started in one home uh, has, has grown and, and we're now in multiple homes. We've got multiple micro churches all throughout Braid, uh, Dade, Broward and Palm Beach County. And yet, the vision and the heart is still the same. And so for those of you that are new or newer to Greenhouse, the hope would be that as we unpack this, you have a clearer sense of who this group, this Greenhouse is. We're not a medical marijuana dispensary because I get that question a bunch, all right? So that's not it, but, but you'll get to know what, what this whole green thing is all about. And for those of you that have been coming for a little while or a long while, weeks, months, years, I am praying that God would spark the vision afresh in our hearts that we could see it clearly and run with it. Y'all ready? Yeah. All right, so stand with me to your feet as we get ready to jump into God's word. The Detroit Lions are still in it, and I am rooting for the underdog, all right? I'd love to see that happen. I'm also cool with Lamar. He's a South Florida guy. Nobody wants to see the Chiefs win again. Can we just like, yes and amen that? Nobody's trying to see that, all right? Patrick Mahomes, you've got enough victories. Matthew 28, if you're ready, say, let's do this. All right. Then the 11 disciples, like, wait, I thought there was 12. There was. Didn't go too great with one of them. His name was Judas. That's a whole separate sermon. But then the 11 disciples that were left, they went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. Yeah, but some doubted. Huh. 
Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and what does it say? Y'all know we didn't make that thing up, right? We just, we plagiarized from Jesus. That's what he said to do. Therefore go and make disciples, passionate followers of Jesus. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What a great promise for Shirley and everybody else. Dad joke. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, help me. Help us. Help. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, get ready. You can find your seats. That one was, that one was bad. It gets better. Yeah, it gets better. We're just getting started. All right. We're going to keep y'all. Help me out. It's going to get better. Anybody here want to grow? Any, anybody here like, I want to grow? Okay, I would venture to guess a good majority, if not all of us. Um, our youngest, Lucia, uh, is absolutely precious. My wife, Nancy, and I have been married over 12 years now. Uh, we've got two beautiful Jew-Rican babies. I am from a Jewish background. My wife is Puerto Rican, hence the Jew-Rican. Uh, and so our youngest, Lucia, is four years old, and this girl is sugar sweet. To know Lucy is to love Lucy. She's so sweet. Um, and recently, I learned that she likes broccoli. Well, she doesn't like broccoli, but she likes broccoli. You confused? Welcome to Greenhouse. Let me explain. Uh, so we were at, we, we, were, we were there at dinner, and Lucy was like, I ate broccoli at school. And I was like, okay. She's like, I ate all of it. And my wife is like sharp. Like she's like Proverbs 31, like virtuous, awesome. And so she's like, reads the room and is like, well, I'll make broccoli tonight. And so sure enough, she whipped up some broccoli and Lucy starts going to town on this broccoli, but it was unique in the way that she did it. She would take a bite, and like smile and cringe and shudder with each bite. Like you ever seen the kids do like the contour, like half smile, half tears all at once. Like each bite, she's like, mm. and I'm like, she does not like this, but she is going at, she girl ate all her broccoli. And I'm like, what is happening right now? I'm not against it, but I don't understand it. And then I did, she turned, she ate all her broccoli Oh, gagging, <laughs> ate it all, turns to Nancy and says, Mom, am I strong now? And Nancy's like, why? She's like, is my hair longer now? Nancy's like, why? Now, I am not a nutritionist or a dietitian, right, right, but there's something in there about broccoli and health and greens and leafy vegetables and protein, right? Like, there's some science there somewhere, right? But somehow, my sweet little girl had got it in her mind that if she wanted her hair to grow long, which she, she wants to be Rapunzel when she grows up, if she wanted her hair to grow long and her muscles to get strong, she had to eat her broccoli. So even though she, I'm not quite sure that she even enjoys it, she does it because she has a vision in mind. That'll preach. Lucy wants to grow. Now, I would venture to guess that most, if not all of us in the room, online, in Guyana, underneath the sound of my voice, you're here this morning because you care. You care about the person who invited you, maybe. Maybe you're not a person of faith. You're here exploring God, faith, and spirituality. By the way, we're thrilled that you're here with us or you're joining us online. But you came because you're like, well, this person, faith, it means a lot to them, and, and it's genuine. They're not just like religious hypocrites. They're not perfect, but they're, they're, they mean it. Like, they really do. And, and if they said this is a good place to check out, then I wanted to check it out. You're, you're here because you care. You, you care about maybe the friend who invited you. Most of you are probably here because you also care about growing as a person. 
You want to grow in your careers. You want to grow and advance in your skill sets, but you also want to grow emotionally and spiritually as well. And so you came here. Maybe for some of you, church feels like broccoli. You're like, ugh. But I want to grow, and if it could help, I'm down to try anything that might help. And I want to let you know that if you're here because you want to grow, we're here for the very same reason. We actually have more in common than maybe you would have thought walking in this morning. We exist, this is our mission statement, we exist to help ordinary people like you and I become passionate followers of Jesus. That's it. We don't exist to make great services, although we do services, that's part of it. We don't exist to make great environments, although we do environments, that's a part of it. We have a singular focus from our CEO himself, that's Jesus. We exist to help ordinary people become passionate followers of Jesus. And so all I wanna do this morning is walk us slowly and deliberately through this statement with a few stopping points along the way to dream about what this community can be and who we can become. Are you ready for that? Let's start here with ordinary people. Cue the John Legend song, ordinary people. If you're taking notes, jot this one down, ordinary people. You're like, what did he eat this morning? I don't know. Who is this church for? Or, or, or to put it uh, more appropriately, who is Jesus looking for? Like maybe you have preconceived notions in your mind of what religion is, what faith is, what spirituality is, what God is actually looking for. Listen to the words of Jesus for yourself. Luke 5, 29, then Levi, or Matthew, one of the writers of the Gospels, held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. When the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to the disciples. So these are the religious elite complaining to Jesus and his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with these tax collectors and sinners, with these people that don't have it all together? Why are you spending time with those people? Jesus answered and said, it's not the healthy who needs a doctor, but the sick. I haven't come to call the righteous or those who think and suppose they're righteous and have no need, but sinners to repentance. Later on, Jesus echoes this similar sentiment. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says this. He says, listen, come to me, all you who have it all together. Is that what he said? Come to me, all you who know how to pray the best Father God prayer somebody's ever heard. Is that what he said? Listen to who Jesus is looking for who he's recruiting for his spiritual kickball team. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. Other versions, Eugene Peterson says, he kind of gives the message a paraphrase. He says, come to me, all you who are burnt out on religion. Do you maybe find yourself a little bit more appropriately in the words of Jesus than you might have thought before? He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus, I would argue, is intentionally pursuing very ordinary people. And so are we. In fact, it's not just what Jesus asked for. We see it's actually who Jesus got. Like when we took a look at his disciples right here in the passage, we read it in Matthew 28. It, it says this, I'll read it again for us, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples, remember one of them, Judas, he was a betrayer. He literally betrayed Jesus for some cash. Then he ended his life. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. But when they saw him, they worshiped him. What does it say? But some doubted. What a bold move to put that in the Bible, and here's why. 
These disciples, just to get us all on the same page, had just witnessed the God-man, God in the flesh, God incarnate, put on a skin suit and come down to earth and do things like, uh, I don't know, supernaturally multiplying lunch for everybody. Took a little star kiss and turned it into Moby Dick and fed the 5,000. Then did it again and fed the 4,000. Grandma couldn't walk. She's up doing the moonwalk out of the wheelchair. He raised the dead. He did all these miracles. Then he died. And they were all pretty bummed, as you can imagine. Went back to their ordinary, everyday lives. Then he rose from the dead and hung out with them for about 40 days. And then he appears to them on the mountain and they worship him, but some doubt it. I don't know about the rest of y'all. If I had somebody I knew who died and was down for three days and then they showed up at the barbecue, I'm paying attention. Like, I mean, you got my full attention. Like, these jokers are so ordinary. They've experienced all of this, including his resurrection from the dead, and they're still at the mountain. Holy, is it true? I don't know. Great are you, Lord? I think me. I don't know. Ordinary. Right? Man, God, he can never use me. Meet the disciples. Arguably, in the original language, Peter went the equivalent of cussing somebody out when they said, do you know Jesus? Like, these jokers are ordinary, flawed, imperfect, works in progress, just like me, and probably just like you. Now, this is diametrically opposed from the framework of other ancient rabbis. Jesus came as a, a rabbi, a Jewish teacher, and there was a specific framework for how this worked. What would happen is that these ancient Jewish teachers, these sages, these rabbis, they would look for the elite. They would look for the cream of the crop, the best of the best. This is what these other rabbis would do. And, and, and they would sort of establish their yoke. Remember when Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Everyone would have been like, oh, you're a horrible teacher, Jesus. My yoke is hardcore. No one can hang. And everyone's like, yeah, it's like the fitness guru. And everyone's like, oh, I sleep two hours a day and I eat nails. You're like, I want to go with that. Like everyone's trying to boast on how hardcore they are. And they would say, they would sit in their metaphorical ivory tower and let prospective disciples or apprentices, Talmudim, come to them. And then they would pick, mm, you don't make the cut. Mm, you don't make the cut. Mm, you're not hardcore enough. And they would have to apply, hoping that maybe the rabbi, that maybe the teacher would choose them. They would have to fight and clamor for the rabbi's attention. Doesn't that sound like religion? Maybe if I can just pray hard enough and, and, and be good enough and, and do enough of the right things, maybe then God will be pleased with me. My good will get at least close to outweighing my bad. And God might find it in his heart to care. And then Jesus comes on the scene. The image of the invisible God revealing to us what God is actually like. And listen to what he says in John 15. You've maybe read this before. I hope you hear it afresh. Jesus says to his disciples, you did not choose me but I chose you. Sometimes we take that and we're like, oh, is he, he, he's talking about predestination. I mean, sure, there's theological, spiritual stuff that's happening, but what he's literally talking about is, hey, y'all remember how the rest of the rabbis roll? Everyone had to go after them. I went after y'all. What does that do? It gives you hope. Translation, Jesus is like, hey, I'm not surprised when you blow it. I know who I picked, and I still love you. Jesus is calling ordinary people. He says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. 
We exist to help ordinary people like you and I. You don't float out of bed in the morning saying, praise the Father, everything is beautiful. Great, neither do we. Welcome to Greenhouse, a bunch of ordinary people who are becoming. We exist to help ordinary people become. Now, I spoke about my youngest, Lucia, our oldest, Liam. He's seven years old, and he's wanted to be a few different things when he grows up at this point. At one point, he wanted to be an engineer. My wife liked that one. My, my dad was an electrical engineer. We're like, that sounds great. And, and then he wanted to be a doctor. We're like, Nancy was like, even better. That sounds amazing. And then he wanted to be Spider-Man. We're like, all right, you know? And, but, but, but most recently, he's dead set that he wants to be a scientist. He wants to be a scientist. And, and he's got you know, kind of an analytical mind, right? But, but I remember one night, Nancy and I got home from our weekly date night, as is our custom, and we got home. My mom was helping with the kids, and she said, I had a very fascinating conversation with Liam today, which if you've heard some of the Liam stories, you're like, yeah, that's about par for the course. Very interesting conversation with Liam. She said, I went in there because I was like, Liam, you need to go to bed. You know, it's late. Mom and dad are about to get home. He said, Nana, it's fine. I actually don't sleep. (laughs) My mom was a kindergarten teacher, so she begins to engage in the banter. She said, really, Liam? Tell me about that. He said, yeah. You know, Nana, God just gives me the ability, because he's a pastor's kid, right? He's a real spiritual. God just gives me the ability to stay up all night and do my experiments because I'm going to be a scientist. Now, Liam might end up being a scientist. How many of y'all know he's going to have to become a scientist? And it'll probably start with like learning that whole humans need sleep to live thing, right? But, but, but he's, he's, he's got a vision to, to become. See, Jesus is so fundamentally different from religion and what we often experience even in a Christian version of religion. In Mark chapter 1, telling that calling of some of these disciples. Remember, I, you didn't choose me, Jesus said, but I chose you. He's walking along, it says, Mark 1, 16, and walking along, passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. By the way, good, self-respecting rabbis did not call fishermen, but Jesus did. He comes to them, and he says this, follow me, and I will make you, what does it say? Become fishers of men. Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Now track with me for a moment. What religion tells us, what religion makes us feel, and maybe you felt this in the room, and I want to decouple this for a moment here, because what religion says is that you, man, you got to get right. You got, do, do you know who you are? I do. You got to clean yourself up. I know. You got to get your stuff together. I know. I don't really try. Well, you need to try harder. You got to get your stuff together and you got to clean yourself up. And maybe when you do, then you can show up and maybe, just maybe, God will have mercy on your soul. Does that sound familiar to anything that anyone's ever heard or felt before? This is what religion says. Then there's Jesus who says, I'll take you right now right where you are. Fishermen are stank in the midst of the fish casting nets. He's like, hey, come on, let's go. He didn't say take a shower, clean yourself up. That's in the literal sense, but Jesus says, follow me and I'll teach you to become fishers of men. Do, do, do you see this? Jesus doesn't say, hey, figure out, like, you guys are, wait, fish, for real? People are dying. There's global inequities. You're under Roman occupation, and you're talking about fish. 
Allen Iverson, we're talking about practice. Like, really? I mean, go learn to fish for things that actually matter, Simon and Andrew, and then come talk to me, all right? Wasting your lives. Jesus says, hey, I love what you're doing. Come with me, and I'm going to teach you to become a fisher of men. You know those gifts, those talents, those abilities, those passions? Guess who gave you those? God. Come on, somebody. From the mouth of infants and babes. God. Now, you, not, you might not be using them for God right now. But here, if Jesus was in the room, and he is, here's what he would say. Hey, follow me, Jesus would say. And I'll teach you to become. I'll teach you to become. There's a stunning patience and a kindness to the way of Jesus that's so different from religion, that's so different from self-help, that's so different from man, get it right, pull yourself together, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, like, I'm trying, I can't, exactly. There's a kindness in Jesus and in the way of Jesus that you just do not find anywhere else. And our dream here as his people, as passionate followers of Jesus, or aspiring to be so, is that we wanna emulate that same passion and kindness and, and come alongside approach in the same way he deals with us, we wanna deal with one another. One of the mantras that we say is we wanna be a place where people feel like they can belong before they believe and believe before they behave. What that means is that religion says, clean up the outside, get all your stuff together, fake it till you make it, and then you can come around and we'll let you be here. And maybe at some point something will actually happen in your heart or not. By the way, that's exactly the Pharisees. The way the gospel works is it transforms the inside, and you still might look like a hot mess on the outside for a little bit. But eventually and inevitably, when the internal transformation begins, the external transformation is only moments or weeks, or months, or a lifetime, sanctification, away. Jesus works from the inside out, not the outside in. This is how he works. He says, follow me, and I'll teach you to become. Maybe you've tried the church thing before, and you're like, I I'm just not good at it. I'm just not good at it. Like, I, the, the prayer thing, like, I feel like I'm talking to the walls, like I'm, I'm not good at that. The Bible reading thing, like I, what exactly? Ah, it's, it's, it's these and the thous, and I just don't get, ah. And, and like, I'm just, Pastor John, I like, you guys seem cool-ish kind of, but I like you, but you're weird, but I like you. But like, I just don't get this whole thing. I don't know how to pray. I'm not good at the Bible reading thing. I can't stop yelling at my kids or my spouse or my coworkers on the way here. I just, I just can't. And I would encourage you to add one word to your vocabulary, and that word is yet. I don't know how to read the Bible yet. I, I, I just don't understand the prayer thing yet. I, I just can't stop doing the yet. See, here's the beauty. Jesus says, follow me, and I will teach you to become. This is a growth mindset before we ever knew that was a thing. That's what Jesus is doing here. Most sophisticated psychologist the world has ever known, Jesus the Messiah. He says, follow me and I'll teach you. I'll come alongside, easy yoke, light burden, humble teacher, Rabbi Jesus. I'll teach you to become everything that he's created you to be. We exist to help ordinary people become. 
Now, if you've ever struggled to become on your own, if you've ever struggled to clean yourself up, get your stuff right, get your act together, and felt the frustration and futility of it, it's because you can't do it. There's a weight off your shoulders. I'm really trying. I know. I, I really mean it. I know you can't. He can. Look at verse 18. Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. At the end of the day, Jesus is the only one with the power. He's the only one with the authority. He's the only one with the ability to bring about the internal transformation that often you really genuinely desire. You need him. I need him. We need him. This is our heart in, in some of our documents we have. Only God can bring the transformation. But we have constructed environments to help you connect with the God who brings the transformation. At our best, we're bumping to set up the spike. Jesus is the only one who scores the points. But we're trying to set up environments. We've got things like we mentioned before, like a connection lunch. This would be a chance to just say, man, I, I wanna hear a little bit more about the, the heart of the church and I wanna share my story. We'd love to get to know you and what are the unique gifts and passions and abilities God has placed inside of you because we are ordinary. We can't be who God's called us to be without you if God's called you here. We need you and maybe you need us. Things like Breakthrough Weekends that JC mentioned is a phenomenal weekend to connect with God. I mean, at that point, by the time a Breakthrough Weekend happens, there are not exaggerating hundreds of hours of prayer and fasting that have gone into a weekend. And God loves to show up when he's invited and he loves to, loves to show up where he's really, really invited. That's a breakthrough weekend. Amazing stories of God moving in people's lives. We've got worship and prayer nights. Every Monday night at our office space in Tamarack, it's a space to connect with God. We did a big worship night here on Friday. We'll do one again before Easter. Opportunities for you to be in God's presence. You're like, I don't know what to do. Just show up. Zach and the team are gonna be there. They're gonna be going after it. You can just be. You don't have to do a thing, but be in a space to connect with God. All of these are environments, right? intentionally crafted and designed to help you become. The question is become what? Well, that leads us to our next point. A passionate follower. Everybody say passionate follower. Anybody in the room play golf? Any golfers in the room? I don't know what to say. Right, it's a loaded question. Because you're like, what exactly do you mean by golfer? What exactly do you mean by play golf? Like, I get air quotes around. Like, I play golf. You ever been in a moment, or maybe you were that, that person, and this is for you now, uh, where I remember I got invited to do like a, a one of those charity golf tournaments. And they're like, John, you should come join our team. And it was like two guys who really play and me who's like, ah. And then one guy who's like, yeah, I play golf. Um, and, and, and we learned quickly what he meant by that. He had clubs, uh, he had watched many a PGA tournament, and had watched lots of YouTube videos. Like, he could tell you all of the things. Here's what he could not do. Hit the ball. Or swing a golf club. Like, it was so interesting. It, it, like, I stopped calling it golfing after hole two, and I just called it discipleship because it was better for my soul. I'm like, this is such good patience building. Thank you, Lord, you know. But it was like, he, he was like, hey, I golf. And I was like, that, this clearly means something very different from what the actual act of the sport is. Because while you have tons of information, you have never actually done the thing. I feel very similar in a spiritual sense with the question, are you a Christian? In our cultural framework, and, and this isn't pointing the fingers at anybody, this is the collective ustedes, point the finger at all of us. Like, what often are you a Christian means is, I watched some YouTube videos. I, 
I know the stats, like I, I watch the things, I, I know the details, and, and yet when it comes down to it, we've never actually like gotten out there and swung clubs. Now this is important and tragic because it is the collective space that we live in. What does it mean to be a Christian? I believe often what that means is just theory though. I want you to hear Jesus's words for yourself. Jesus did not say, memorize me. He did not say, repeat after me. He did not say, theorize with me or have these conceptual ideas with me. When Jesus called ordinary humans like you and I, he used these two words over and over and over again. You know what they were? Follow me. Go back to the passage in Mark. Jesus said to these fishermen, he said, follow me and I'll teach you to become. Follow me. The call of Jesus was to follow me. Here's what I need you to understand in the room, online, Guyana. The call of Jesus is an active call, not a passive one. Again, this is helpful to understand the context of Jesus' words. Jesus was a rabbi, a Jewish teacher, and, and these Jewish teachers would have these students or apprentices. In our Bibles, a lot of times it translates as disciples. They were called Talmudim. Everybody say Talmudim. Now y'all speak in Hebrew, so sophisticated. These Talmudim, now these Talmudim, you could think of them as students, but in our context, you would miss a large point or goal of these Talmudim, of these disciples, of these apprentices. A student's goal from their teacher is to get the information, right? Very rarely is a student like, man, I, I just want to become really great friends with my teacher. Like, that'd be weird. I, I just want to be like them. No, like your goal is let me get the information and let me go and, and do great on the exam, whether it's C's for degrees or I'm going all, you know, getting A, like whatever it is. I'm trying to get the information so I can move beyond you to my goals and ambitions for life. Everyone tracking with me? This is not how a disciple was thinking. This is not how Talmudim thought. The goal of one of these disciples, one of these apprentices of Jesus, when Jesus said, follow me, they're thinking, I want to learn to not just get the information from my teacher, I want to learn to become like my teacher. I want to talk how they talk. I want to think how they think. I want to pray how they pray. I want to interact with people the way they interact with people. I want to walk in the same manner. I want to follow their life. I want to be mistaken at some point for my teacher because I just resemble them in so many ways. Not exactly what we're presented with oftentimes in our modern Christianity. We exist to help ordinary people become passionate followers. Why? Because we thrive when we follow. John Mark Comer said it like this. He said, to be one of Jesus's Talmudim is to apprentice under Jesus. Put simply, it's to organize your life around these three basic goals. Number one, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and then do what he would do if he were you. He says this, the hard truth is that following Jesus is actually something you do. It is a practice as much as a truth. This is deep. He said the Jesus way wedded to the Jesus truth brings about the Jesus life, right? Jesus said these things. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Often in our cultural framework, we like ideas, so we gravitate to truth, and then we're like, and, but, but why isn't the life happening? Well, it's the, he's the way. He's the path. It's following. I, I was reminded this week of a video, maybe a decade ago, I watched from Francis Chan. Everyone remember Francis Chan? Chan. 
Francis Chan, and, and he was like, listen, he's like, listen, uh, oftentimes, how many of you guys remember Simon Says, like that game, if you're younger, there's no app for it, so you might not know, but like Simon Says, like, it's really simple. Just, so Simon Says, pat your head, and what do you do, everybody? Okay, all right, not all of you are Simon Says people. Okay, so you pat your head, right? So it's rather simple, and uh, in the video, he was like, you know, we do, we, we kind of get this. It's, it's, it's fairly simple in conception, but we do crazy things when it comes to Jesus Says. What Simon says, we're like, okay, you know, move your left leg. And you're like, okay, move your right But when Jesus says, you don't have to do it, you just memorize it. It's like, man. Jesus said, follow me. Now, it's his grace. It's his power. Remember, we're ordinary people. It's not going to mean we get it right. But our target is not on information. Our target is on transformation. We're becoming. We're following it's active. And we see it right here in the text. Take a look at these ordinary disciples and how they followed. Verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where what? Jesus had told them to go. What are you doing there? Can you imagine this conversation with friends? What are y'all going to do? We're going to go to the mountain. Why? Oh, no. Well, you're going, you're going to take all that work. Like, they didn't drive. Y'all know that, right? Like, it was walking and the stank roads of ancient Israel. They're like, where are you going? We're going to go up to the mountain. Anybody ever try to climb a mountain before? I'm I'm about to die. I'm going to call an Uber. Where are you going? We're going to this mountain. Why? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Well, Jesus told us to. You're going to go, and you don't even know why, and that guy who died, yeah, but he's not dead anymore. What? Like, can you imagine this conversation? But they showed up because they followed. Why did they go? Because Jesus told them to. The call to experience the life and life abundantly that, by the way, Jesus desires for your life, it is not found in liking the ideas of Jesus or knowing in your head the teachings of Jesus or being an expert about the facts of Jesus. The life that you desire, that you were created for, that God has for you is found when you follow Jesus, his ways, his path. This is where we find life. Now, learning to follow Jesus is a process. It is a constant uh, evolution in growth and development, and one that rarely, if ever, is accomplished in isolation. And so once again, we've designed an environment to help you in your daily desire to follow actively, proactively, the way of Jesus. These are the spaces you've heard about that we call microchurches. I'll give you something, and I've never articulated it in this way before, but I was having a conversation with a guy after church a couple weeks ago, and he had gone to one of our breakthrough weekends, and and he had met God in this really cool personal way, and and it was amazing and revelatory and all this shame from his past. It was just awesome. God was doing great stuff in his life. And he's like, and, and we had been talking about community and the need for having other people around you. And, and we call that micro churches here at Greenhouse. And so we're like, man, you should check one out. He's like, I know, I know, I know. And, and so finally I ended up in a conversation. He had brought a friend and we were talking. And I said, hey, man, did you ever get to check out those micro churches? And he's like, ah, no, I know. I, I want to. I should. How many of you know life is just busy? So I was like, I get it, bro. And, and, and just words started coming out. And I was like, hey, man, have you ever found yourself frustrated when you can't do the things you really want to do? He's like, yeah. I said, do you ever feel like your spiritual life is like one step forward and two steps back and you're sitting here, it's like this spiritual roller coaster and you're doing great and then you're doing horrible and you're like, how did I get here? I don't even want, and, and you're back and forth. And have you ever been in that space? He says, yeah. I said, listen, here's what microchurch and why it's so powerful. When you have a consistent rhythm of weekly gathering with the people of God who care for you and love God and are trying to move in the same direction, it serves as bumper lanes for your soul. Y'all ever been bowling before? 
right? The bumper lanes are there when you're like my skill level and um, you might not do great, but you won't end up in the gutter every single time. I said, that's what microchurch is. Like, if you're gathering with other followers of Jesus every week, you might start drifting toward the gutter and then you get with people and you're like, oh, what was I thinking? Yeah, you guys are, you, you start, you're drifting towards the gutter and someone's like, hey man, God loves you and he's got a plan for your life. Oh, that's right. Like you, you don't get to drift very far because you've got a consistent habit and rhythm of gathering with people who can remind you of who you are in him and who he's called you to be. Are you guys tracking with me? If you have found yourself consistently disappointed by your lack of consistency in your faith, you need community. And by the way, community needs you. You've got amazing gifts, talents, and abilities. We are not who we are supposed to be without you, and you cannot be who God has created you to be without us. We're interdependent. These are microchurches, spaces that help you learn to follow. In order to follow Jesus, you also have to know what he said. If you've ever started to try to read the Bible and you're like, I don't know, I started off in Leviticus, and it's really confusing. Don't start in Leviticus, okay? Start somewhere else first. Like, we've got a Bible reading plan, and, and we've designed this. It goes through the Bible in 18 months. There are these videos by Bible Project, which are amazing. How many of you have done some of these fluent reading plans yet? Isn't it good? Like, these Bible Project guys are like Bible ninjas. Like, they break down the context and the history, and you're like, oh, that makes sense now. Like, it's amazing. Like, jump on one of these things and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have, again, God's the only one who can do the growth. He's the hero. He's the one who saves the day. He's the one who makes it happen. But we've tried our best by his grace to make environments that help you become ordinary people like you and me, passionate followers of Jesus. So here it is. Here's a question on the floor for all of us this morning. What I'm not trying to do is make a greenhouse infomercial. Come now and we can help all your dreams come true. <laughs> I can't do any of that. I'm a mess. I'm a work in progress, right? But we can walk together. We can journey together. We can encourage and support one another. And we'd love to do that with you. Here's a question on the floor this morning. What's your next step? If indeed you are here because you care, about your emotional flourishing, about your spiritual growth. You don't have to stay stuck and stagnant. You can grow. In fact, we would love to help you grow. Matter of fact, that's the only reason we're here, to love Jesus and help ordinary people like you and I learn to follow him with passion. That's it. So what's your next step? Maybe you're just starting your faith journey and we're thrilled that you're here with us online, Guyana, wherever you're at. Maybe your, your first step is to begin to read the words of Jesus for yourself. Like Jesus is arguably and inarguably, I would probably add, the most influential teacher to ever walk the planet. Probably worth you reading his words for yourself and not just relying on somebody else's thoughts about what they think about him, right? Like I try to do my research, go read it for yourself. Let him speak to you. Take his words for yourself. Maybe it's a reading plan. Maybe you consider a breakthrough weekend. If you're like, I, I don't even know where to start. Breakthrough weekend is an exceptional uh, starting point to kind of jumpstart your faith journey. You can ask about it after service and we'll give you the info. We run some of them in South Florida, some of them at our sending church in Gainesville. Maybe you're a Christian, but you've been trying to do it alone and it's hard. And you relate to like the, the one step forward, two steps back, two steps forward, three steps back. Like, ah, oh, I, I, I really mean it, John. I really care. I really love God, but I just stink at following him. Welcome to being a human. We need help. We need community. 
We need those weekly reminders, those weekly encouragements, like I call it those bumper lanes for your soul. Try a microchurch. Matter of fact, check out a few. Find one that, that's gonna end up being a fit where you're like, I, I, I think these could be my people. Like this could be my tribe. Like we, I've got work friends and I've got like other high school friends and I've got workout friends, but I probably do need some spiritual friends if I'm gonna become strong spiritually. Maybe you've been a microchurch for, for weeks or months or years and, and you're, you're growing, but you're growing slowly. You feel like you're barely growing. Maybe you feel stuck. Like maybe a breakthrough weekend is, and you haven't gone. Like that's a, by the way, that's one of the best unstuckable situations, environments we have. If you're just like, I just don't know what to do. Just get to breakthrough. Like God just shows up. He just does. Maybe it's time for you to talk to your microchurch leader about about doing a, a little additional discipleship work, a, a core group. We have a discipleship assessment that, that Matt Ulrich, who's our microchurch pastor in Gainesville, designed. He got his PhD in this. He cared so much. He's like, I want to help people grow in their faith and follow Jesus. We, we, he did a PhD in it, built a discipleship assessment. Nerding out in this thing. Maybe you've been growing as a disciple. Maybe you're here in the room online and you're like, John, I, I am. I'm a passionate follower of Jesus. I love it. Then it's time for you to take the next step, which is what Jesus said, go and make disciples. I love how JC said it. I was kind of like, who, who am I? Like, I, I'm still a work in progress. I'm still on my journey. I don't really know. Exactly, that's the point. Jesus knows who he picked for his team. But again, we've designed in environments to help you, to help you do that. We're kicking off discipleship training, which is an environment we've done for 15 years where we try to put tools in your tool belt and help you feel confident and competent enough to get started. Making disciples as an ordinary person who's following Jesus. Talk to your microchurch leader about helping out in the group, about maybe apprenticing. If you went to your microchurch leader and like, hey, I wanna, I wanna help make disciples. I wanna help other people flourish and thrive spiritually. Like you guys have helped me. Your microchurch leader would faint and then they would resurrect and be so excited. And they'd be like, okay, cool, let's talk about it. You can make their day, week, month, or maybe year. We all wanna grow. You're here because you wanna grow. You're here because you care. Greenhouse, I love, that's one of the things I love about this church family. Like, you guys mean it. You're here because you care, because you wanna grow. I don't know what every single individual in this room's next step is, but he does. So ask him. Even right now, just take a moment. And Lord, I'm asking that in the stillness of this space, you would put on our hearts what our next step could be. Maybe for some of us, it's that first step of beginning to read your word. Maybe for others, it's taking a, a step out into the unknown, into trusting other people, into finding community. Maybe for some of us, it's going from a disciple who's been uh, consuming your word into a disciple maker who's also sharing your word with others. Lord, whatever it is, would you speak? We exist to help ordinary people become passionate followers of Jesus. It goes without saying, but I'm gonna say it anyways. He is the key. He, he is the answer. He is the linchpin. He is the savior. He is the Lord. He is the transformer. He is the one with the easy yoke and the light burden. He is the one with the lifestyle and rule of life that we can emulate. We adopt his pace, his patterns. We are his disciples. You are not disciples of Greenhouse. There are tons of amazing churches. We are a church, part of the capital C church in South Florida. But at the end of the day, the name of Greenhouse and every other church name is gonna perish so that the name of Jesus can be lifted up. It's his glory. It's his name. It's his kingdom. He is 
the one that you need. He is the desire of your heart. Ordinary people becoming passionate followers of Jesus. My dad used to tell this story before he passed, and, and I thought of it this week. There was a little girl who would, who would always walk to school with her dad. And one day, the, the major intersection that they would cross together was particularly busy, and she, she began to tense up and get nervous. And as they got close to the crosswalk and the cars were buzzing and flying past, the dad could feel her tense up, and he said, hey, baby, just go ahead and hold my, hold my hand. She said, no, daddy, you hold my hand. He's like, yeah hold my hand. She said, no, you hold my hand. He said, I hold my hand. She said, no, you hold my hand. He said, what's the difference? And she said, daddy, if, if I hold your hand and it gets too loud, it gets too noisy, I get scared. I'm, I'm afraid that I might let go. But if you hold my hand, I know you'll never let me go. Friends, the beauty of what I share with you this morning is that it is not your success and ultimate outcome is not incumbent on your ability to perform. It's his grace. It's his goodness. It's his kindness. It's his love. It's his mercy. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. Jesus said he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus promised that he would never leave you or forsake you. I'm telling you, everything you have been longing for and looking for in all sorts of different places, I've got great news for you this morning. He is the answer. It is all found in him. And he chose you. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, choose me. I, chose, I chose you. He's the one that draws. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. He's the one who begins the work. We are just responding. And he loves you so much so that he proved it and demonstrated his love by dying on a cross and then raising from the dead. And if you've got ears to hear, he's in the room this morning saying, follow me. Would you join me as we pray? I wanna give us a moment to respond. If it helps, you can close your eyes and bow your heads. Just a moment of quiet and privacy between you and God. And in this space, in this fast moving modern world where so often we don't even have the time to pause and consider the biggest things, the deepest things, I want you to take a moment. And in the quiet of your heart, I want you to consider your approach to life. I want you to hear Jesus' words afresh. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. Come to me if you're tired, if you're burnt out on religion. Come to me and I'll give you rest. If you're here this morning, if you're watching online, and that sounds amazing, and you know you, you, you need something, you need a change, you need him. I'd encourage you this morning to say yes. To say yes to Jesus as Lord, Savior, forgiver. He is the only one that enables right standing with God, forgiveness, a fresh start. It's only found in Jesus. Follow him as rabbi and teacher, not just his thoughts or his ideas, but follow his way. If you're here in the room, you can just say, Jesus, I'm yours. Matter of fact, if you know that's you, I just want you for just a moment, there's nothing magical about this, but I think something powerful happens when you're acknowledging on the outside what God's doing on the inside. If that's you, I just want you to wave your hand in the air and say, God, you got my attention. Yeah, awesome, 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 love it. 
Love it. Hands going up all over the room. I love it. It's beautiful. There's no magic prayer here, but, but even there, in the privacy of your own heart or online, just say, Jesus, you, you got me. You, you got my attention. You have my heart. I, I want to trust you. I want to follow you. Forgive me. I, I've blown it so many times. I, I know I have. I'm so sorry. Teach me to follow you. Help me to follow you. Maybe you're here this morning and you've begun a journey with Jesus, but it's time to take your next step in following him. Right, right there, wherever you're at, ask him, say, Lord, speak to me. Holy Spirit, encourage me, convict me, challenge me, show me what is my next step. I want to grow. I want to follow. 